The most valuable resource that all teachers have is each other. Without collaboration, our growth is limited to our own perspectives. That comes from Robert John Meehan. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Oh, yeah. That, really? music, that music today reminds me like it's like a, a sporting event is happening. So it's good for people that are football fans. The division, not the division, the league championship games are today. Right? Celtics Lakers tonight, too. Great. In case people care. <laughs> I'm talking about playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs. <laughs> you mean practice for the playoffs or whatever? I don't remember yeah, what that was. Don't, don't quote it if you yeah. can't quote it, okay? <laughs> Forget it. Forget don't it. embarrass me. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know what I found this What'd week? What'd you find? I found our male counterparts on TikTok. You did? Yeah. So let me tell you a little story because okay. I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure the people really want to hear this today. Mm-hmm. I, every morning I have to take my dog on a 20 minute walk because, you know, to find his place to relieve himself mm-hmm. takes a long time in the morning. It's about a mile or so. So I do Wordle. I check our, I check our stats mm-hmm. for our mm-hmm. podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hit a we hit an all time high, by the way, uh, for our last episode. But okay, that's you know that's for not, another that, day. That NBD. Right so mm-hmm. I and then I watch TikTok videos because you know I'm 12 and that's how I roll. Mm-hmm. So I in this in this I found our male. Um, I feel like we should, if they ever hear us, we should have them on the show with us without okay. the voices. Yeah, because they have annoying voices. I from see. what I hear, not their regular voices. They use like a filter. A filter. Yeah, Mr. Tudor and Mr. Hawk. Very funny. Okay. They do like things like best Adam Sandler movies. Would you rather? I mean, I find myself laughing out loud and being mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, this is how you and I interact on a regular basis. Okay. On and off mic. Yeah. Highly recommended. As long as we just don't have it. We don't have TikTok. We're we not have doing, TikTok. Why do we do <laughs> we it? We're just not using it. Yeah. I, we, excuse me. We have one video on there from last year. Okay. From last well, winter. We're going to try to. We I know we say this all the time. We're, we're sort of bad with our follow through apparently, but we are going to try to do some kind of visual, some kind of video visual at some point. Yeah, we really we really need to step our, up our game because you know what? If we're going to be as popular as Mr. Tudor and Mr. Yeah, Hawk, we, gotta, we, we really gotta, need to step yeah, up our games. Work on that a little bit. Uh, we also have a special shout out today. Mm-hmm. Our first request for an episode. Woo-hoo! So thank you, Cameron. Cameron from Utah. Yes, yes. Uh, we love that you listen to us. Hopefully you're sharing us with all of your... Um, other teachers and um, I know you want to talk about uh, analyzing data for IEPs and because of your request uh, we thought it through and think that it'd be really great for us to do some sort of three-part two-part series on just the development of an IEP helpful hints um, some laughs hopefully along the way so with your um, request comes uh, a little bit of a mini series, so thank you so much, Cameron. Yeah, it's great. We pre- love the feedback. We love the questions, and you know, keep it coming. Keep it going. You know what? It only starts with one. <laughs> That's right. So That's right. we can just we can go up from there. Um, our first request, not our first comment, though. Mm-mm. So no. we've had a couple comments. So thanks to all of you out there. But enough about us. Yeah. Enough about <laughs> us. Enough about bragging about us for. <laughs> Let's move on. With, with our, you know, with all of our followers. Yeah. I feel like we're like up there with, you know, some of the real popular. Okay. Who, nobody wants to hear this right now. Anyway. Let's move on. Okay. So today we're going to talk about co-teaching. Yes. Yes. And co-teaching. co-teaching can look like a lot of different 
thing. So it can look like a general ed teacher with a special ed teacher, but I also think it can look like a specialist or related service provider with a special ed teacher mm-hmm. to related service provider. Like it can be a, a mix Any of combination. things. Any combination. It's so like that's a, what we're talking it's like about a today. Yeah, we're talking about all of those things today mm-hmm. because as um, as someone who does some research, you may know, um, co-teaching actually isn't really research-based. There's mm-hmm. not um, a lot of research out there that proves that co-teaching is effective. Did you know that? I didn't actually know that. Yeah. So um, there was, I have a one research paper that's literally randomly on my desk that I haven't read through yet that does talk about the benefits of co-teaching, which I agree that there are. Mm. If it is done with fidelity and it's a true co-teaching model, you're talking common planning time to be able to work together on modifications. I mean, you're talking about allowing the general ed teacher, allowing the special ed teacher to truly put their voice into Mm -hmm. the planning. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I think one of the hardest things that I've seen around co-teaching is that people are experts in their own content area. So if you have a person who teaches science, that's their area of expertise and they know, um, and it's really hard sometimes to build a special ed teacher in there to sort of question how to teach your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. And so unless you have that buy-in on both sides where you're both willing to be flexible, it's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, and I mean, obviously I can speak from the specialist side of things. I think that, you know, um, I actually just was part of a training with my fellow um, speech and OT cohorts. And something that I think we were really focused on was talking about accommodations. And I think, you know, making sure that those are being followed, especially for kids with IEPs. But we also talked about, you know, across the board accommodations that were going to help um with especially executive functioning challenges, because I do think that's such a broad area, but there's so many students who, even if they're not on an IEP, not defined as having any sort of special need, uh, they may have some executive functioning challenges or just to help, you know, improve that area. We had talked last time about life skills and sort of critical thinking that goes along with that. I think that also fits under the umbrella of executive functioning of just, you know, how to make, um, you know, assignments a little more, uh, user-friendly for kids that may just need some of that breakdown, some of those visuals, um, some of that, you know, time management. So having somebody who may be a little more specialized in that area, co-teaching, and it doesn't have to be all year long. And this is maybe just like for a, a, a unit of time or, you know, but having that to pass along and, and learn from each other, how to kind of direct that, um, you know, Find those strategies, yeah. find those accommodations. Well, and I feel like in, I feel like, <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like in, in the related service field, it, they, not that the services overlap, but in some ways, in some ways they do. Absolutely. So a lot of times yeah. it's, you know, when you're talking about executive function, that comes from many different facets mm-hmm. of a student's education. And so I think you can like mold that together when you're thinking about a core subject area. I think it's hard for people. It's so compartmentalized Mm -hmm. in most of the country right now in the United States. I'd be interested to hear what it was like around the world. Mm -hmm. I'm not a... um, Belgium, we're looking at you. Belgium, shout out. (laughs) Uh, Australia, come help us out over here. Uh, So actually, I just read an article about Finland's education system, and it's pretty great. Anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of... For another day. Yeah. Um, So we... I just my, oh yeah. So when you're in a content, you compartmentalize yourself Siling. so much. You're, yes, exactly. That is really hard. And 
the complexities of co-teaching, it's not as simple as that. There are actually like six ways to co-teach and you're supposed to identify how, what what method you're going to use Mm -hmm. for each lesson that you're planning. So if you're looking out, if you have a common planning time and you're looking out over the course of a week, you know, sometimes it's special ed teacher directed, sometimes it's small groups Mm -hmm. and stations, or there are many different ways to integrate co-teaching that people don't know about. People assume that it's like two teachers just teaching together. Well, I just think it's such a great way to approach things holistically. Like, I I mean, I say the silo. Like, I think people have assumptions of of each other's job description and what their skill set is. And the more that we can kind of cross over and collaborate and share, then it kind of makes, I mean, it sounds so trite, but like it makes everybody better. And Mm -hmm. it's for the benefit of the kids. It seems so basic, but I think not assuming that like for example ot can only talk about handwriting or you know speech and language can only talk about articulation it's understanding that there's a lot that can be shared um that a teacher that's really great at science might also have some understanding of life skills in some way like just pulling from others experience expertise and really being able to share that and then you know again these aren't necessarily i'm not sure i'm not super familiar with like co-teaching models but is it supposed to last a year does it last a certain amount of time is it variable depending but i think as much as you can get those experiences um i mean i find that people you know for example like say someone that's in um as an art teacher or a music teacher really especially with kids that have some special needs and have some um, neurodivergency like really love the feedback from specialists about how to approach their classes because that's not something they may be as familiar with depending on where they're coming from so the more that we can share those ideas and maybe like it would be awesome to co-teach like an art class with someone i would love that um in a music class you know, co-teaching how to best help students with sensory sensitivities handle the music class and still be able to access the equipment and and access the learning. That would be such a cool way to, it it just gives you some, like, it it invigorates you too. Like you're thinking so differently than what you normally maybe do every day with your students. And so, I don't know, I think it's such a great way to learn from each other. Yeah, I think it's great in theory. I think the, the cost, the cost effectiveness of it, because in a true in a true co-teaching model, you need a special ed teacher with every general ed teacher, mm-hmm. right? So if you're thinking about a true co-teaching yep. model, that's hundreds of yeah, people in your reality. faculty. I was in my wonderland yeah. over there. And so I think I've seen it. And then I think the other piece, the, the kryptonite is the belief that there's equitable mm-hmm. work that can Role be done. Sharing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've heard time and time again across my career, you know, people, which I get very defensive about, by the way, um, I think rightly so. Uh, but when, you know, teachers who specialize in a content area say things like, well, they don't know the curriculum. Special mm-hmm. educators don't know the mm-hmm. curriculum, so they can't teach us. They're not qualified to teach us. And I'm like, bull crap. You know the stuff we have to go through to get certified? Right. It's not just learning English. It's learning a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, we're not experts in, uh, you know, the periodic table of elements, but we could that's where you collaborate with other people. And I think that's where sacrifices need to be made. And I feel like anytime there's any sort of change, change equals loss. Mm -hmm. I learned this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I feel like when anyone is asked to make a change, they're they're grieving whatever loss that is going to come with that change. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is, it could be the rigor of a curriculum it could be the intensity the focus of a curriculum the sacrifices but especially teachers shouldn't be quote co-teaching if they're just glorified paraeducators who are right. helping support accommodations mm-hmm. 
when you have to just you have to be able to make that content accessible for people as well and i just i, I just think there's a way to learn you know both both ways it's a two-way street mm-hmm. and you know i get that people kind of have perspectives or they get stuck in their thinking after a long period of time but you know we talked i mean the whole a huge aspect of this podcast is about you know how things have shifted and changed in education and how you know there's so many more needs so many more areas that feel underrepresented and undercovered and we're sort of overwhelmed in general and how are we going to help each other get through it because you know, sticking in your lane and sticking with what you've been doing may not be the answer with all of the things that have shifted and changed. It's dynamic, but not necessarily in a good way sometimes. Mm-hmm. How do we shift to make it better? I mean, that's the only way it's going to change is if we learn how to do something a little differently to make successful outcomes. Yeah. And yeah, and this isn't, um, what I said wasn't to, I don't know if it was taken that way, but wasn't to like bash any certain area. I think people are really smart in what they Be prepared do. prepared for all the feedback. Yeah, I know. I'm just kidding. All the, no, all you're the, not bashing. I no, think I'm just saying it's it's just you become so regulated in what you're doing, so things become routine, and it's yes, really hard to shift that routine. Absolutely. And when you're really good at teaching a content area, for example, to have someone else come in and be in and offer ideas of how to shift it and change it, that's a hard concept to mm-hmm. grasp and I've seen it and I and I can appreciate the challenges that come with that um, and I can also appreciate from the special ed side of like these kids need more help than they're getting how do we help incorporate that in a classroom mm-hmm. what do you think about some ways to do that for the people sounds wonderful <laughs> <laughs> all right so I found this I think it's on ed week um, I found these four immediate no it says a few immediate steps to support co-teaching there are four of them I'm just read, just double checking my work. Um, so ensuring teachers have no scheduling conflicts during co-teaching times. Um, this says um, scheduling is an absolute nightmare. Facts. Um, legal constraints. So making sure that teachers don't have IEP meetings or team meetings during that time. So that way they can really focus on the co-teaching, mm-hmm. which I think is a huge barrier in special education as is because mm-hmm. families expect you to have all the time in the world Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. To, to sit through a meeting. Yes. And when and then they, maybe to come back and do it again. I had a lawyer recently later. say, <laughs> um, like, I can't believe you only scheduled 45 minutes for this IEP review meeting. And I'm like, if, if an IEP takes more than 45 minutes, a review. So you're mm-hmm. not covering mm-hmm. testing. You're literally updating goals and objectives. I I don't I've rarely (laughs) rarely to never had a meeting take less than 45 minutes most of our annual reviews take 20 to 30 minutes I mean good on you yeah the strengths the strengths and challenges you know what maybe when we talk about our IEP series we can talk about how to make them more efficient oh yes I have let's please do that I I have experienced efficiency at its finest where I'm where I currently am and it is uh it's a beauty I think not to digress too much but I do think you have to be someone in that meeting has to be very adept at at respectfully cutting people off yeah and i've seen it live and it really because i it's an art as someone who has ran i would say hundreds of team chair meeting team team meetings um it's and reevals it's really what i think it's has run not has ran has run i don't know has run anyway whatever no grammar grammar no. i don't know go go <laughs> you know that's not my strong suit i know but i can't science I yeah go, go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so as someone who's run yeah hundreds of <laughs> annual reviews it really is i get anxious having to cut someone off who's like mm-hmm. either on my team or a parent mm-hmm. or um but people do it very respectfully where i am and i that it's I, every time i, I really like is. choke 
on myself because I'm like, what is the response going to be? And it's fine every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we need to stick to the time. We need to stick yeah, to the agenda. And I'm like, oh it, my gosh. You know, anyway, we'll, we'll save all that good stuff. We digress. Time. So part two, which I think is star highlight all of that. Well, I think the next three. The first one is like, all right, complex. Um, provide collaborative planning time. Mm, that's huge. That's huge. You really need the time to... Uh, find ways to meet in the middle Mm -hmm. and I think that process gets easier as you get to know the person you're working with but well I'm I don't know if this is part of it I'm it's probably not I think and I'm not sure how much flexibility exists for this but it it helps if you can match people up that could possibly get along Mm -hmm. and have some similar philosophy some similar style obviously if you're pairing people up that don't necessarily click very well I don't not that they can't overcome some of that but I think then you're also dealing with the style and the delivery and the methodology piece and less about some of the other areas. And I think if you can kind of find somebody that clicks well with how your style is, I think that's important. Oh, I think that's huge. Maybe that can be 3A. 2A. 2A. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there needs to be thoughtful um, connection between the Mm co-teachers for sure. Because And and you have to have buy-in from both sides. You can't say like, Susie G doesn't like working with other people we're gonna throw a co-teaching model into her like you really need that and maybe just sort of it's more like just how we are as humans psychologically but if you aren't clicking with someone maybe you're not as available as you could be and maybe you do have a meeting that you can't possibly miss to Mm. you know now we're maybe not giving our full selves to this this process so yeah can only help good point on that Uh, one you know uh number three guide teams in ways to share duties again this is huge. Mm-hmm. What I the feedback I hear all the time and in the research that I've read, it really is the special educator often feels like a glorified para, mm-hmm. someone passing out papers. Yeah. I've heard so many times like I just bring my laptop and sit in the back room the room at this point because there's nothing That's I awful. do and to pay someone a, you know, a little more money than a para yeah. <laughs> to point to a student to have them get started on a task is not a co-teaching model. Mm-hmm. Um And then number four is create ongoing professional development for teams. Absolutely. I think that is huge. Yes. Um, And having, you know, I think this has been tried with me before in my work. I feel like I'm a pretty good collaborator overall, but there's uh, been people through times that I don't necessarily work well with. What is helpful is when you force them to go to PD together. Yeah. And they have to be in the same room mm-hmm. or space for at least a day well you're, you're also getting you know that you're both getting the same information from the same source and that's mm-hmm. also helpful i think to say like well we both heard this information we both got these packets we both you know saw this training in action that's really a nice equalizer too i think to to work off of mm-hmm. like even if you're just trying to look at some common ground like that's a great place to work off of i think yeah yeah you may want you we could add into this like something like restorative practices where you sit I think we're going to create our own list. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, I, I don't, do you have any other thoughts or ideas on how that, like, how do you, when you, cause I know you do this quite a bit or have Mm -hmm. over the course of your career, how do you collaborate? Because your opportunities, I think overall have been positive ones and also your fellow collaborator has been on board with it. So you have this perfect scenario of two Mm -hmm. people that work well together. How do you now move into building, bringing in both of your areas of expertise? Well, I mean, this, I don't know if this is what you're looking for. I, I tend to, I approach it again from like sort of a human to human standpoint of, 
I never go into a situation assuming that I know more than the person that I'm working with or that they can't possibly contribute to what I might be understanding of a student or a situation. So I'm always trying to like meet them at that level of like, what can we both do together? And I think, you know, this is just style. So this may not apply for everybody, but I just have a, a way of like, maybe I use my humor or I, you know, especially if I don't think someone is actually doing something that maybe I've recommended for a student. It's like, how do we talk about what ways that we can work together to make sure that something's being provided an accommodation or whatnot. Um, I think, you know, having the time to sit down and have a conversation with somebody and just kind of figure out where they're coming from. I think where I work, people are always looking for help and they're always looking for ideas and suggestions that may not translate to other spaces and other schools and other programs. And I get that. Um, I think it's it's being able to kind of suggest some things and hear other things being suggested. I think I try to be very aware of a person's time management, what other responsibilities they have so that I'm not putting too much on their plate. Um, if it's collaborating for a group that we're running or something, it's, you know, trying to to divide the responsibilities for that more evenly. Um, if I'm trying to help be helpful with teachers, I never want to, to overburden what they're already taking on. So how can I make suggestions that help them, you know, put that into what they're already doing easily and seamlessly rather than adding burden? I'm not sure if that's what you're asking for. No, but, that's a good um, answer. I have a follow-up. Because my collaboration is a little different. I, you know, the only thing I really co-teach and co-run is um, with a speech OT group. But I think there's a lot of collaboration that happens where it's providing that you know that training but also hearing feedback about what other people's ideas are and so it's this really give and take that you know it is about building the relationships like i said part of this feels like it's very basic in a sense of like human nature of like just like building trust and building a relationship and you know being very open and humble i mean as i said even if i've been doing this for a really long time it doesn't mean that i can't hear someone's opinion or perspective that's been doing it for six months and everybody's word is valuable. And I think if you start from there, again, seems pretty, I keep saying yeah. basic, I can't yeah. think of a better. Um, seems like not like a, like the, the most bottom level of something, but I think that's where you have to start. If you, mm -hmm. if you can't get that off the ground because someone is, no, I know that this isn't gonna work. I mean, that's, I'll tell you what out there, the deal breaker is always, oh, I've tried that, it won't work. Mm -hmm. Oh no, that idea won't work. I tried that with a student six years ago and it didn't work. If you come into something already with the perspective of that won't work that can't work you know you don't have the growth mindset you don't have the solution focused thinking it's going to be really challenging to have any sort of collaboration well that was going to be my follow-up question to you so you already answered part of it but it was really what are, i didn't realize i was going to interview today that's right <laughs> your feedback is valuable to us here uh over here unstuck so the follow-up was if you have a teacher that's like yes i want to collaborate mm -hmm. or anyone mm -hmm a person yep. uh, in the education field who is really interested in collaborating and they either do that, I already know all this mm -hmm. or I've tried this five years ago or you spend all of this time getting this stuff together for that teacher who needs it and that teacher is like, oh, this is great stuff but and then you never see it. Mm -hmm. So like you're in there helping support mm -hmm. it and mm -hmm. all the things that you planned together or discussed together yeah. is not happening as it's being, as the class is being run. What do you do then? Oh, that is a real challenge. And I think it, again, requires some tough conversations sometimes to, you know, 
sometimes it can be friendly reminders. Like if I'm in a classroom with a student and I'm noticing, you know, even if it's something you've made recommendations for generally for, um, a lot of teachers or a teacher in particular about how they're running their classroom and just like just some ideas of how to, you know, structure it differently. Nothing overwhelming, but like just some suggestions. And you're seeing that not happening. Sometimes I might just say, oh, where, you know, where's so-and-so's visual? Like, I know that would be really great for this activity. And just sort of these like friendly, benign, like prompts, almost like, you know, just, oh, where could I find that for this student? Because I know that's something we talked about. I'm just hoping that, you know, um, I had, I didn't see it on their desk. Like, where can I get that? Or like, oh, where's that, um, that checklist that's on the wall that shows like what the organization steps are for this activity. Like, I'm just wondering if I can find that, uh, approaching it in that way. But I, you know, I do think it can be challenging and I, I don't always have the right answer as to what you do because it is such a tricky balance where you don't want to offend anyone. You don't want to undermine anyone, but it is, it is uh, sometimes a really hard thing to bear when you know that you've given a lot of your time and energy to being collaborative and trying to be helpful and you're seeing that it's not being carried out. Sometimes I try to, I, you know, something I've learned in my life is to assume positive intent, mm -hmm. to assume that the intent is positive, that it's meant for, that that individual means for the best things to happen, but that maybe they're having some difficulty implementing something. How can I be helpful? Do you need me to print something out? Do you need me to, you know, get you more of those resources that, you know, were they just misplaced? Um, I think there's ways you can do that initially to kind of figure out what the reason is. Um, but I, I don't know. Beyond that, it might just be a larger yeah. discussion. Yeah, I think that, I mean, and your answer makes a lot of sense. And I think that is, in my experience, the biggest issue, I think, too. One is that teachers are stuck in their own habits and don't mm -hmm. want to make any changes. The other big issue I see, and maybe those of you out there in the um, podcast community can come up with other ones, but the other one I see is the the thought of it. They have this common planning time. They come up with this great plan, and then you get into class and it's not being executed. And so now your value as a special educator is now back to that mm -hmm paraeducator and so having that conversation how many times you have it what are the next steps mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you know i am a big proponent of having direct conversations with people yeah meeting Which people where they're easy, at it's not easy i think you do more damage when you bring in uh sometimes when you bring in there's a right place in the right time administrators mm -hmm. because then it feels to the other person like tattling or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know well you can't come to me directly so i think there are times when you should bring other people in but to the best of your ability to have those follow-up conversations um is really yeah. helpful or do exactly what you said like is there anything i can help with right where's that checklist how do and i and could, like engage yourself you into don't that. necessarily know where that educator's coming from and maybe for them that's a real, you know, they, they want to make that change or they understand that piece is really important to integrate into their, you know, uh, assignments or their, their instructions, but they just can't, they, they haven't gotten around to how to implement it or there's just, you know, and maybe they don't want to, like, I, I love to come into it without thinking, well, they they must be devaluing my mm -hmm. expertise or my suggestion. I like to come into it thinking, why, you know, what must be the hurdle that I have to help this person maybe overcome? And I'm not trying to be like a martyr, but I no. just mean, is there a hurdle that is has nothing to do with my values or what they, or, you know, how they value me? It just might be the situation is just really hard to 
it's hard to kind of crack into that and change something. So could I be more helpful in helping that change happen? Or maybe another discussion needs to take place of like, why is this important? I tend to find that most people, when you have those conversations, understand why something might be an important you know, way to do something. Or, you know, you can also approach it more humbly and say like, what, what have, what could I learn from this experience from you? You know, if I'm coming in and making these suggestions, thinking that I'm being helpful, that person may say to me, well, here's why, and it's not necessarily like a, just a negative, but like, here's why this is really hard to implement. And then you can problem solve that piece of it. So, I mean, it's really drilling down on what, what is the, the issue? What is the, the obstacle and how can we overcome that collaboratively? And I think that builds a lot of trust. And I think then when you trust each other, you feel like the positive intent is there mm-hmm. and that no one is trying to tell you what to do as well as no one is trying to take away your values and say, well, you're not important because you're just whatever that it's not that negative assumption. It's just, Hey, we got to kind of work on how to fix this right. up a little bit. Yeah. And, and I, and I think one other thing that I try to do is bring it back to the student mm-hmm. and just say, this mm-hmm. is about the kids. Right. Because right. sometimes we right. get stuck in our own, not that anyone doesn't care about the students, right. but like, I think no, it's human, sometimes like we get said. stuck in our own yeah. routines mm-hmm. and it's really hard to make shifts. And if we ground ourselves back in what's good for students, I feel like it's a common, it's always a common denominator, mm-hmm. right? You're a teacher, not because you're getting the big bucks, but because you want to help kids. And so I think when you ground yourself in that, it becomes really um, helpful to have that same playing field and at I that think point. That applies, you know, I'm speaking of it more from a specialist, like an OT perspective, but I also think if you're talking about two teachers co teaching, it still applies where, you know, you may have made a suggestion when you've collaborated outside of the classroom. And now you're bringing it into real time and you're seeing that the person isn't necessarily following the plan that you've established. And so how do you have those conversations about like, again, not immediately assuming, well, they think I made a ridiculous decision or, or suggestion and they don't value my opinion. And, you know, instead of taking that immediate negative thought process, it's like, well, how can we, you know, how can we kind of. Uh, debrief the situation and figure out where we could have changed something or, or how do we work on that? Like maybe the message just was received differently. Maybe, you know, it felt like in that moment that that was a harder thing to pull up. Like, what did we talk about? I forget. Like, you know, there could be any number of reasons why. And so it's really figuring out and assuming positive intent and figuring out what that reason is and then working on that. Okay, Raleigh, so I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was an abrupt ending to that. So that I apologize. Rough everyone. cut there, rough cut. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, you know what? We're just done talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For more questions about co-teaching, feel free to uh, <laughs> find us on our social media pages if you want more information about co-teaching. Sounds good. And now, and now moving on. for our main event, <laughs> would you rather, oh, I don't know how I'm going to answer this, wear the same socks for a month Mm-hmm. Or the same underwear for a week. Socks for a month. I hate socks. I know. I know. So I chose this, even though it's harder for me <laughs> than it is for you, because that was a quick answer for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I literally hate socks so much. Okay. But un- that I can wear the same underwear That's for gross. a week. It's That's absolutely disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. Do I get to pick the socks out? I Look, it's your question. What do you mean you get to pick the socks I mean, I think I'm forced to pick socks, even though I'm going to be tortured for a month. Okay. Well, pick a pair of socks. Fine. I'm going to do underwear for a week. I'm doing it. Wow. Yeah, I'm doing it. All right. Seven days versus 30 or 31 in January, March. I mean, if you were on a, like, survival show, 
you wouldn't have a change of underwear. That's true. And no one said you can't wash Where's, it out. That's true. Wash anyway, that's there. getting too gross. Okay. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Well, I guess that was way easier than I thought. Less discussion. <laughs> Wait till next time. I got one for you. Oh, great. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Today was fun. Mm-hmm. Co-teaching. Woo. Co-teaching. <laughs> uh, be sure to follow us and ask questions and give us content ideas. We would love that on at Unstuck Podcast One, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those. All those. All those. If there are any other ones that we should join, let us know. Because mm, um, okay. that would be fun, too. <laughs> you know, because how active we are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate you. Have a good one.